You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500. Use the code Locked On at checkout. On today's show, we have a lot to discuss. The Mets were unable to get a victory against the San Francisco Giants on Wednesday night. Chris Bassett got knocked around, giving up five runs. I'll discuss that game in the first segment, but I want to spend a majority of the show today talking about the Robinson Cano problem the Mets have. He's not hitting. He's getting way too many opportunities. He's getting opportunities in big spots where other batters should be asked upon to deliver a big hit, and it's Cano that they're still running out there. So in the second and third segments, I'm going to talk about Cano and what the Mets should do when that roster shrinks down to 26. Spoiler alert, I think they should cut him. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor, and where I appeared on a lot of podcasts today. So if you want to get some other Mets content, On Thursdays now, we have a new show called The State of the Division. This is a podcast from Just Baseball that takes you through each division Monday through Saturday. And Thursdays are the National League East, hosted by myself and RM Layton. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, It's a little bit of a different look into the Mets, kind of through the lens of the entire National League East. And I think it's a really good show you should check out. Also, I am the guest today on the Just Baseball show. So again, you want more of me, you can find me in those places today. But let's talk about the New York Mets. Chris Bassett got knocked around early in this game. He walked one and gave up three hits in that first inning to allow three early runs. The Giants are this team that passes the baton. It's very reminiscent of the 2015 Royals. Uh, you don't even understand how they're doing it. Sometimes they're not even hitting the ball that hard, but they find the holes. They they, they go and, and they string hits together. And you look up, and you're losing 3 nothing in the first. And then Brandon Belt homered in the second. Chris Bassett gave up another run in the fourth. All told, six innings pitched, eight hits, one walk, six strikeouts. You do have to give him credit for settling down and giving this team six innings. You're coming off of a double header. The bullpen is taxed. So to be able to get the Mets through like that, Sean Reed Foley also pitched in this game, which we all know is an arm that the Mets aren't too concerned about his workload. So they were able to really limit this game when it comes to bullpen usage to just an inning out of Chase and Shreve. Uh, that's a big uh, you know, hat tip to, to what Bassett was able to do. You know, When you give up three runs in the first, the idea that you're going to stick on and actually pitch six whole innings, it was pretty impressive, even though he gets the loss and his ERA balloons by giving up those five runs. But ultimately, this was a game where you just got beat. I really don't think that we should be harping on it and be too upset about it. I know I've talked in the past about how, you know, you're going to be upset 65 days a year, even if the Mets are an incredible baseball team that wins 97 games. And this is one of those nights that I don't even think you're that upset because it's a good baseball team. 
and good baseball teams are going to beat you. And Carlos Rodon is an incredible pitcher. When he's healthy and on, he's a top five pitcher in baseball. That's how good he was last season, and that's how good he's looked early on this season. He's striking out a ton of batters. He struck out eight Mets in five scoreless innings. Uh, they were lucky they got him out of the game in that fifth inning, but they just were unable to, to come back from being down five runs. And again, I don't think that this is a loss to hang your head on, especially because the Mets really did fight. I mean, every single inning, seven through nine, they had their chances. In the seventh inning, Louis Guillaume draws a one-out walk. James McCann struck out, so he had two outs with Guillaume on. Nimmo got a hit. Starling Marte just found the, the smallest bit of real estate to deposit a hit in the outfield on a, on a real, just a blooper. Um, but that scored a run. That put runners at first and third for Francisco Lindor. And here was the first big mistake of the game. Starling Marte running on the play to try to get two runners in scoring position gets thrown out. You cannot do that. You cannot take the bat out of Francisco Lindor's hands. I don't know what in the Jonathan VR got into Starling Marte's mind in that spot, but it was a bonehead decision, especially because Dominic Leone was on the mound who Lindor doubled off of in game one of the doubleheader a day before to tie the game. So here was an opportunity for Lindor up at a matchup that you sort of like where he might have been able to get at least a base hit to drive in run one or a double. You know Marte is going to score. So, so I get what he was trying to do. If he's able to steal that bag, we would have been applauding him. That's just how the game works. You would have had runners at second and third if Lindor gets a hit and he comes around. Now Marte is a genius and it's an incredible move. But if you're going to steal that bag, you better get there. And he didn't get there. And it cost the Mets because then Lindor had to face uh, Rodgers the next inning, the, the submariner. And, and that wasn't a good matchup for Lindor to be able to do damage. And he came up with nobody on. So that was the first big mistake we saw in this game. Um, the Mets were able to get something going against Rodgers, which was shocking. Pete Alonso and Eduardo Escobar each singled. And here was the first opportunity to get Jeff McNeil in the game because, again, Submariner, really hard to hit, especially if you're a right-handed batter where that ball is starting behind your back. Yet, Mark Canna was allowed to hit. And during the broadcast, you, you heard Gary was very critical of uh, the triumvirate for putting Mark Canna out there, and then Canna gets a base hit, and a brilliant piece of broadcasting from Gary Cohen says, Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> so, so I love that from Gary. Uh, just, just to sort of uh, poke, poke some fun at the fact that we really never know what's a good call, what's a bad call. And in that instance, logic would have told you to grab one of your lefties off the bench that you had McCann, or not McCann, you had McNeil, and you had Dom Smith waiting there. But Canna got the hit. And then again, an opportunity for Jeff McNeil, the best hitter that was left on your bench. Yet, Robinson Cano gets the opportunity when all you need is a base hit. I don't understand it unless they really just were selling out for a home run. But look, Robinson Cano, we're going to talk about more in the next segment, should not be up in that spot. And my dad <laughs> told tells me, he goes, that is effing bullshit. <laughs> he says, you need to talk about this on the podcast. We're talking about it right now. A terrible decision because Cano has looked awful recently. And so you're in that spot where Jeff McNeil could come up. He could find a hole, move the line, and instead you get a weak ground ball from Cano. And the other problem with having Cano hit in that spot is he's a real double play candidate. So he could easily you know, run you out of an inning on a double play ball. And luckily he just hit the ball so soft 
that it moved the runners up instead of, uh, you know, really costing the Mets. But it, it was just a weird decision. And again, I'm going to get to that more in the next segment because I, I just think Cano is getting way too much run early in the season. But after Cano, you finally got Dominic Smith up and he ripped one. Unfortunately, Wilmer Flores makes a leaping catch on it. Uh, had he not caught that, that ball could have ended up in the left field corner. Canna could have came all the way around to score. The Mets might have got two runs on that play and been right back in the game, but they were unable to score there, and that basically was the ball game. I will say the expected batting average on that line drive off the bat of Dom Smith was 570. So more times than not, that ball is supposed to find some real estate out there. It's supposed to be a hit. Um, he hit, he scorched it, but unfortunately it wasn't the Mets night. Good fight, but they lost. Now they'll have to try to win this series in the finale with Carlos Carrasco on the mound for a day game. But the real question is, what should the Mets do with Robinson Cano? I'm going to discuss that more in just a minute. Celebrating the special woman in your life? On BlueNile.com, you can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Mets listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day, so use our promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Do the New York Mets have a Robinson Cano problem? I'm sure for a large portion of the audience, everyone is screaming a resounding, yes, of course, they have a Robinson Cano problem. And this might be the one thing that I was dead wrong on um, coming into this season. I thought Cano could bring some value to the New York Mets. I really did. But I want to reiterate again my opinion on Robinson Cano. My opinion was Robinson Cano is better than Jose Peraza last year. Robinson Cano could potentially be better than Jonathan VR in that role of what Jonathan VR was supposed to be. Not the role that he ended up serving which was an everyday player, but the role of that one bat off the bench that could maybe provide a spark in a late inning. And we're seeing that Cano doesn't really have that. The bat speed is slowed down. He's chasing everything. He just looks terrible up there. But my original stance was not that I thought Cano could contribute as the Mets everyday DH. It was that he would be a good piece to stash at the end of your bench so when a Jeff McNeil went down or when a Eduardo Escobar went down or Pete Alonso or anybody else, you had a little bit of coverage. The more I am looking at this team, the more I'm thinking about their prospects for the rest of the season. I just don't get it at this point. And again, it's not about him being rostered. Although we're going to talk about that in the final segment, what the 26-man roster is going to look like and how this team's going to be very, um, what's the opposite of flexible, constricted once we get to a 26-man roster. But 
you look at what he's done this season, 185 average, 241 on base, 296 slugging, one home run, three RBIs, chase rate in the fifth percentile, so he's chasing more than 95% of batters in baseball. Just doesn't look like he has any idea up there. Just seems like he's swinging to swing, um, just guessing. And what frustrates me, again, it, it's not that he's on the team. I, I understand that salary dictates that a little bit, and I understand that's a huge poison pill to swallow to eat the remainder of that contract. But he has more at-bats so far than Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis. And I will say it's trending in a positive direction where Dom is starting to get a little bit more time than Cano. But I don't understand this push to throw Cano in these big spots thinking he's going to come through when he's given us little evidence that he will actually come through. Uh, you know, in that inning, would you have preferred to see Robinson Cano hit for J.D. Davis or, or J.D. Davis hit for himself? I really don't know. Um, and I certainly would have preferred Jeff McNeil or Dominic Smith in that spot. Now, Dom got up in the following at bat, but still he ripped a line drive. Cano hit a dribbler. And I just, what is it? Is it the 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 great, incredible resume? Because that got tainted with the steroids. Is it the fact that he is this uh, this leader that deserves respect? Maybe he has respect in that clubhouse. Clearly, he probably has too much respect. But the idea that you're force-feeding at-bats to a PED user who doesn't deserve any sign of respect in that regard, it just makes no sense to me. Dominic Smith should have 50 at-bats this year because he should have every at-bat that Cano's taken. The way that these two guys look at this point, I just think that Dom is head and shoulders the better player, and I hate that he's being constricted in any way by Robinson Cano. It's just it's the same exact problem that I feel like the Mets have had over the last couple of years with, with a J.D. Davis on the roster where a J.D. Davis is getting starts that a Guillaume should have gotten because Davis is hurting you with the glove more than Guillaume could be helping you with the glove, plus the fact that Guillaume is still a great at-bat that at least is going to walk and get on base at a 350 clip. I've always felt like the trade-off there wasn't worth it when it comes to offense for defense, and, and even the instances where J.D. would play over Dom. I just feel like sometimes some of these square-peg players being forced into round holes, it doesn't make sense. And for Cano in particular, the fact that he continues to not only get playing time, but when he's in the lineup, hitting near the top of the lineup. It's just, it's this idea that Cano is some Miguel Cabrera type, right? Cabrera is chasing for 3,000 and he is getting playing time. And, you know, he's hitting over 330 the last I checked. He's had a great start to the year. But this idea that he is getting that same type of a, of a star, um, you know, treatment to, to be put into these big spots and to be trusted that, yeah, he's going to break out of it. He's fine. He's 39. And up until this point, this season, we are not seeing anything that tells us that Robinson Cano is going to break out of this. And I did think for a while that, hey, no harm putting him at, at the end of your bench and he could just be a guy that if somebody goes out, maybe Cano starts 50 games for you in a pinch for a couple of months and maybe the back could get hot and he could actually look like he did in 2020 where he was a really good player. Now I just don't see any of it. I really don't see any of it out there. Uh, he just looks washed. He really does look washed. And it's getting to the point where I would just cut him. I would just cut bait because you're at a point where I feel like a Nick Plummer could do a lot more on this team than having Robinson Cano. Because here's Nick Plummer, a, a young kid 
who is at the the start of his prime, who could surprise you, has won at bat this season, found a barrel. That's more than you can say for Robinson Cano a lot of times this year. I know he has the one home run, but other than that, I feel like he hasn't barreled up much of anything. So you're in this spot where Cano continues to be forced into to action here, and it's almost one of those situations where you have to remove him from the equation. Otherwise, the manager is going to keep rolling him out there. Buck Schultz is going to continue to put Robinson Cano in the game. And I just think it's hurting this team. I really do. Even his defensive metrics this year have been awful. If you look at that's above average, which is surprising because um, that just tells you there's a couple balls that have probably gotten through that you don't realize Cano should have gotten to that were actually balls that were, uh, you know, realistically routine plays that Cano just slow footed could not reach. But I, I don't, I don't understand it anymore. Um, it was a bad take by me. It was a bad take to, to think that Cano still had something. But again, the one thing I have said in past podcasts is if this was the Mets giving him a, a run to, to, to get some opportunities, that's what it would look like. The Mets were planning on maybe cutting bait, but they wanted to see what they had. This is the type of season or the type of start to the season we would have um, expected where you run him out there a lot and slowly but surely they're starting to pull some at-bats away from him. What we're seeing, Guillaume get some more starts. We're seeing Dominic Smith get some more opportunities. So maybe he already is on his way out, but it, it was infuriating to see him up in that spot. Um, and I just, I think that a couple more of those instances where he does that, it just makes more sense to cut him out of this team and, and focus on a little bit more youth, especially when you get down to a 26 man roster. We've talked about it um, in preseason leading into this year, but this Mets bench is going to be an issue when you get down to 26 man rosters and Travis Jankowski suddenly might be DFA'd or, or sent down. I don't know if they even have any options on that con that minor league deal. I would imagine they don't once he gets called up. So, um, you know, once he's awarded a spot in the major league roster, they'll probably have to DFA him. That's a guy that another team could scoop up. So, I just don't know what you do here. And, and I think that the problem, at least the biggest problem, is Robinson Cano. Before we get into that, though, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your number or your continued source for all of your sports waging information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Right now, the New York Mets have a 28-man roster, but that will end by the end of this month. It'll go back down to your typical 26-man roster, and that means the Mets will have to make some decisions. The obvious one is Sean Reed Foley likely leaves the bullpen, but the bullpen will have eight pitchers in it. Now, I'm pretty positive about that. I don't think they're going to go and, and option both Reed Foley and Williams, and Williams doesn't even have an option. So I don't see them going down to a seven-man pen. That's just not how baseball works nowadays. They're going to keep eight arms out there and a five-man bench. So your five-man bench will be Louis Guillorme, Dominic Smith, J.D. Davis, Tomas Nito, and Robinson Cano. Because I don't see him optioning Guillorme. 
You need a backup shortstop, and he's giving you good at bats. Whether he's ever going to hit for power or not, which he likely won't, or pretty much definitely won't, he walks, he gets his hits, and he plays a stellar defense at second, short, and third. So I, I think Yorme is safe. Then you have Dominic Smith. Unless they're trading Dominic Smith, they certainly aren't optioning him down. J.D. Davis in the same boat. Tomas Nito. Obviously, you need your backup catcher. And then you have Robinson Cano. Who is the most expendable piece on that bench? The way the Mets have played them this year, maybe they would say Guillaume. And if that's the case, good luck having any competent defense. Like, like you can't go with a bench of Dom, J.D., Nito, Cano, and Jankowski. I, it just... Who's your backup infielders? It's just Cano and Davis. That's the worst in baseball. So I feel like your maze needed. You're not doing anything with Dom and JD, as I already said. So again, it gets back to Cano. And I would prefer, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I prefer Travis Jankowski on this roster over Robinson Cano because Jankowski is at least going to give you good defense in the outfield, some speed. And he's actually looked pretty decent at the plate this year. I don't expect that to continue. Uh, but I also don't think the Mets should be getting rid of what's a really useful player who is in his prime for a guy in Cano that I just don't really know what he's bringing to the table. And I think the overlying problem with all this is you are in this situation with J.D., Dom, and Cano where none of them are really asserting themselves, and that puts you in a bad spot with your DH because you're not getting great value there unless Pete Alonso is the DH. Otherwise, it seems like that DH spot has just been a revolving door of strikeouts and, and, and pop-ups and not a lot of effective hitting. And I think that the future of this team this season even is to call on one of the young guys to come up and to add another bat in this lineup. Hopefully that's Mark Vientos. He's gotten off to a really bad start in Syracuse, but he also got off to a bad start last year when he made that jump straight into double A. He did have a little bit of time in Syracuse last year, but I think that maybe with it being pretty cold out there for a Florida kid, still trying to adjust again, still trying to get into midseason form, I think he'll be okay. And when he starts to hit, I would like to see Vientos on this roster over both J.D. Davis and Robinson Cano. Really, that's what I want to see. I want to see J.D. Davis traded, Robinson Cano cut, Mark Vientos called up, and then you hang on to Jankowski or even Nick Plummer because Nick Plummer is a player that has a high ceiling, that can do a lot of things on a baseball field, that's young, that's athletic, that has bat speed. And I feel like if you stripped the contracts and you just went on straight talent evaluation, and you had Robinson Cano take 25 at-bats, and you had Nick Plummer take 25 at-bats, which one has the better 25 at-bats? I think Plummer might even be the guy. I think Jankowski could be the guy over Cano for that matter. So when you're talking about a five-man bench and how you structure your team, if Cano's not hitting and he gives you no defense, what does he give you? If J.D. Davis can't figure out and isn't hitting and he gives you no defense, what is he giving you? Dominic Smith is one of the most optimistic about to be able to get them at some offense. And he at least gives you some defensive versatility because he's not a complete albatross in left field. So you can stick him out there in a pinch if you need to. And at first base, he's a plus defender. So there, there's certain things that Dom does that I think really will help this team. 
But I look at J.D. Davis and I look at Robinson Cano, and I don't think either of them should be on this playoff roster when you get down to it, if you do get down to it. So you see some of the options in the minor leagues. You even think about the potential of adding someone through a trade. And with all of that said, the simplest move right now is for Steve Cohen to unfortunately get out that checkbook, write down $40 million or whatever's owed to him after the couple of game check or week checks he's, he's taken for the season so far. It's $20.25 million for each of the next two years. Just pay him his 40 and cut your losses and, and, and try to, to move on with some younger talent because I think that the Mets are better off if it's Nick Plummer, if it's Jankowski, if it's Khalil Lee, if it's Mark Vientos, if it's eventually a Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez at the end of this season. There's so many other options that I think the Mets could use internally instead of giving Cano this playing time. And I just can't continue to see him roll over pitches and strike out. Maybe he turns it around. And you know what? This is my challenge to Cano. How about that? Maybe Cano it falls under the, the James McCann jersey challenge. And if Robinson Cano can get his OPS over 800 once this season, I'll buy a Cano shirt or, or a jersey. Um, or maybe I'll just go buy some steroids uh, on the black market or something. Um, shoot up in, in honor of him. But for now, I think the Mets need to start considering uh, a life without Robinson Cano. And I don't think that um, we're seeing them move in that direction based on giving him big at-bats and a huge spot in this game. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Big day game. Carlos Carrasco on the mound looking to get a series win. Anthony DiScalafani for the Giants. The Mets have a good opportunity here. Even if they lose that game, they did what they had to do in the doubleheader. They at least split this series against a really good team, and you have a chance to fatten up over the weekend against the Diamondbacks. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, review. Wherever you get your podcast. make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thanks for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, but we call him Sully. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay today in everything that is going on with Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.